Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This afternoon, UBC Connects presents uh, presents the journey of a young Bangladeshi man and student of international economics who cycled across Bangladesh to capture stories of climate justice, change, adversity, and resilience. So UBC student Bashar Rahman uh, was that student in his documentary film Stories of Change Falls, his journey from uh, the northernmost region of Bangladesh to the south, where he met families and groups and listened to their stories of resilience and bravery. And he joins us now. Uh, Mr. Rahman, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. So how did you come up with the idea of wanting to uh, travel across Bangladesh, which is your homeland, uh, and to tell these stories? How did you come about that idea? Absolutely. So I was part of the uh, UBC delegation at Conference of Parties, which was an annual conference of climate change mm-hmm. by the United Nations in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that stood out for me in that conference was the lack of representation from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Bangladesh, being the seventh most climate vulnerable country in the world, had only 80 delegates uh, compared to the hundreds and thousands of delegates from countries like Canada, US, and rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So having a lack of representation meant a lack of stories, a lack of policy reform, a lack of finance, and a lack of advocacy for Bangladeshis. And me being there as a Bangladeshi, I I, I was concerned about if I am the right representation myself. So I wanted to learn about climate change. And although I know the academics of it, which I... Uh, study at UBC, I wanted to see for myself what it really means to live in the climate adversities. Mm -hmm. And the best way I thought would be to just go in Bangladesh and travel across the country and talk to people, talk to, listen to them, listen to their stories, listen to how they deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I was going there with a thought that there's going to be a lot of difficulties. But what I found was the remarkable resilience of people, Mm -hmm. people fighting back um, despite all the odds in their, like, you know, not in their favor. Mm -hmm. So I think that really motivated me uh, attending COP27. And I think once I had that uh, exposure, I thought that it's best if I document it. And I was able to make a documentary film and premiere it at the next UN conference, which happened in Dubai a few months ago. And we, yeah. In regards to uh, the population of Bangladesh, what is it now? About 120 million? It's 170-ish million. 170 million. And right now they they produce about 0.56% of global emissions. And Canada is around 1.5% with 40 million people, just to put that in context, right? Uh, Now, when you look at Bangladesh... Uh, one of the things we th- there's a lot of talk about is just water rising, sea level rise, and the impact it's having on people. Did, were you able to meet people who've had to already move? Absolutely. I met a lot of climate refugees. Um, there's a region in northeast of Bangladesh called Shunamganj, and mm-hmm. there we have a lot of wetland, which are, which are in Bangla called Haur. So they remain underwater for four months a year. Uh, because of the nature of their geography with having the mountain range in the north mm-hmm. and that being like a very low-lying area. With climate change, what's happening is now those regions are being underwater for six months, sometimes even seven months. 
And seven months of being underwater means everything is closed. There's no healthcare, no education. There are pockets of islands of houses in some places, which are floating houses. And I was able to go to that place and like talk with the people, how their lives are, and just interacting with the children, people of my age, uh, younger than me, and seeing how, you know, they have like, they, they, they don't know what really means to live a life with like, you know, not the climate adversity because they grew up with it. But the sudden increase, the frequency of how adverse their life has become over the last few years, mm-hmm. uh, that really concerns them. And But they're, they're not giving up. They're being innovative. They're picking up new lifestyles, new livelihood. Some of them are creating floating schools even. And I think um, other than that, like the whole country is a land of river and water is a very integral part of how everyone in Bangladesh lives. My mom herself, she had to move because of water, because her house and everything was uh, went underwater for river erosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just accelerating with climate change. My mom luckily was able to move to the capital um, because we like, you know, we had the finances to do that. Yes. But there are thousands, if not millions of people who don't have that. Uh, do you think the West understands? I mean, I when you look at British Columbia. We talk about cooling centers in the summer. We've talked about people who have died because of heat just a few years ago, over 600. We have wildfire challenges. There's no doubt climate change is impacting British Columbia. Uh, But we are also a a nation that is wealthy in the grand scheme of things and able to address some of these issues through money and budgets and being able to uh, have firefighters, hire more firefighters, uh, uh, you know, make climate resiliency part of our year-long budget process. Now, everything is looked at through the lens of climate change. For developing nations like Bangladesh, it's a lot different. Uh, Do you think Westerners appreciate the impact that climate change is going to have on the global south? I think sometimes I listen to even the conversation here with senior members of government. I kind of go, we actually have it pretty lucky in the grand scheme of things compared to Bangladesh, compared to uh, India, compared to Thailand or Vietnam, I mean, in Africa. Do you think the West understands the impact of climate change on that part of the world? Yes and no. I think I study economics for a lot of the conversations that I have with my peers, with my professors, a lot of them are just numbers. Uh, in the flood that happened in Pakistan in 2021, mm-hmm. uh, my professors, uh, the people I know in Canada, they were talking about the economic loss, the thousands of deaths. I think we have to step out of the number. We have to look at the story. Mm-hmm. It's it's the story of Jamal, who didn't go to, like, lost his family. It's a story of Kamrul, who is probably not able to see, um, you know, his mom again because, like, of something. It's it's the story of people who lose their cows, which is like the main source of income for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's high time we appreciate. Uh, we looked at things in terms with empathy, um, with a lens that is beyond numbers, and I think the West still lacks that. Mm-hmm. And the only way to bridge that gap is through storytelling, through imp- uh, empathy, through creating possibilities where people are able to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. I think at the at the core of like climate the climate crisis we have an empathy crisis. I think people are not truly able to put themselves in the shoe of someone who's living in Shunamganj and has lost everything they have ever owned and then have to like you know even if they build something they know that they're going to lose everything next year with the floods. Mm-hmm. Um and I think definitely like you know the 
capacity of us to empathize with someone is dependent on our experiences on how we see the world what we have been exposed to mm-hmm. but i think it's high time uh, we truly seek out what it means for our actions people who live in the global north people who live in countries like canada us what does a uh, uh, ton of emission actually means for the rest of the world and i think we truly have to seek that out um, and and i'm happy to say that like you know although i live on campus in university and sometimes it can be a bubble uh, because there's like a lot of echo chamber people are talking about these things but when you go beyond it i think um, we need to truly give opportunities for people to have access to those information and not keep themselves within the bound of you know what they're exposed to but rather truly tell the story of the rest of the world and i think that global lens is establishing like with days Well, Bashir, I want to say thank you so much for dropping by. I really appreciate your the conversation, uh, and your documentary "Stories of Change" uh, is airing tonight, six uh, thirty p.m. I believe. Yeah, uh, at UBC Robson Square. Thank you so much, and it was an absolute pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciated it.